hustling 24-7 is the same as being a slave. You're, you're, you're working 24-7, so it's just a 24-hour slave as opposed to an eight-hour slave. I'd rather slave nine to five than 24 hours a day. Um, and, and it's this pride in overwork, which is an American deficiency. We're, it's, we're, we have a toxic culture of overwork, and as a culture, we need, to, we need help. Hey guys, welcome to today's episode. If this is your first time listening, my name is Heather Parody and I'm your host and we are here to empower unconventional leaders. Those of you who are working to build something great in order to make a positive impact in this world. Today's episode is a super special one for me in particular because it's a topic that is really relevant in my life right now. Uh, Those of you who've been listening for a long time know that I've been working for the past, I guess it's been about, man, it's coming up on two years. Man, that's crazy. Time goes by so fast on building my business and just going all in on what I feel called to do. And there's that element. I also have a beautiful family, two sweet little girls that I just obviously love to pieces. Uh, fitness, that's a big goal of mine, a big deal to me. Those of you who follow Fidget Friday know I'm training for something really big right now. So that's another element in my life. So I have all these balls kind of in my court. The thing I feel called to do, the bigger work. I have my family that I want to be faithful to and be a good mom and a good wife and then also this fitness element and then there's just the rest of life (laughs) the etc you know what I'm talking about so for me it's it's been a real challenge over the past couple of years to really figure out how to balance all of these things that are so important to me and I feel all have a place in my life it's not like I need to give up one for the other but how do I do all of these things well and not drop the ball or neglect the other. Does that make sense? It's something I've, it's been really, really difficult for me and something I've done imperfectly and something that I'm just constantly struggling with and talking to Brian, my husband about and trying to wrestle through how to do all of this. (laughs) And I'm so excited about today's episode because we have Graham Cochran with us. And I'll share a little bit more about this in the podcast episode, how I came across his work, but he is putting out some incredible content around this topic of this myth of hustle as a small business owner and how we have to go all in on one thing, you know, at the sake of neglecting other things. And he has a way more balanced mindset and view of how we do this and how we do this well. And that's the point I really want to drive home. Not that we just kind of do everything mediocre and that we just kind of do things halfway, but do things really well without losing our minds. (laughs) 
Amen. Holla. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, but before we get into that, if you have not subscribed to this podcast, please head over to iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hit that subscribe button. And also, you know, it goes a long, long way if you could take an extra second and leave us an honest review. We also have our morning freebie in the show notes. You can click that link and I will send you over. I put together some resources on how to develop a better morning routine and have a moment to relax and rest, drink a cup of coffee, meditate, pray, read, have that extra time for yourself before you hit your day running. Uh, That's really hard for a lot of us to develop that habit. And so I put some resources together and a habit tracker for you. You can access that again by the link in the show notes, or you can text mornings with an S to 345-345. All right, so let's go ahead and get into this powerful episode with Graham Cochran. He is a business coach, YouTuber, musician, and the founder of The Recording Revolution, which is one of the world's largest and most loved online resources for audio recording and music production, serving millions of students each year in over 200 countries. Um, if you don't mind, I'm going to tell you a little story about how I came across your YouTube video. Oh, yeah, I'm curious now. Okay, so we just moved here to this area, my husband and I, and we were contacted by his family who lives a couple of states away, and they said that they were going to rent a cabin and wanted to invite us over for a couple of days. It's been years since we've seen his, that side of the family, but it would require me obviously taking off a couple of days from work. Um, as a small business owner, someone who works primarily through that hustle mindset, uh, I immediately started cringing because I'm like, oh, how can I take a couple of days off of work? Especially last minute because I'm the type of person who schedules everything out and has plans. So I need to know a few weeks in advance and all this stuff. And um, I was talking to uh, our cousin, David Pinaccio. He's also the guy who does all of the music for the show. And I said, David, I'd really love to come. I really don't think I can make it. This is too last minute for me, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And he started talking to me about my mindset and be like, well, what are you, what are you working for in your own business if you can't take time off to go see your family? And I'm like, dude, you don't understand, et cetera, et cetera. And he said, listen, just do me a favor and watch this video. And he sent me a link to that hustle video that you had. And apparently he's a huge fan of yours. He's been following your stuff for a long time. Uh, he's in the music scene too. And cool. uh, he's really loves your business stuff. And he sent that to me and I watched it and I was, I felt like you were reading my mail. <laughs> like this was me to a T and I'm gonna let you dig into the philosophy a little yeah. bit with it. But I ended up sending that video to my husband and I said, Brian, this is me. I'm really struggling in this. And he said, I know. Long story short, I ended up taking a couple of days. We went on the retreat with the family. All of my work got done. We had a great time. It was it was one of those things where we're looking back at it. I was like, what was the struggle there for me? And I knew that it was just in my mind and that I've been trapped in this lie that you talk about, that you have to just be busting your tail 24-7 in order to make it. And so I just wanted to kind of intro this conversation with that, that this is something I, I struggle with really hard and how I came across you really. So yeah, if we could enter the conversation there, uh, what is your mindset on hustle? Well, at first I say kudos to you for, um, for your honesty. I mean, a lot of people in your position, when you have a, an audience and you have a platform, a lot of people tend to only share what they've already figured out and, and teach They they rarely share the bumps along the way or 
the, wow, this changed my perspective. So anyway, kudos to you for, for being honest about that and open. I think that's more helpful to people because it shows that you're real and it shows how you're thinking through things and how we, we can be open to change. That's really, really cool. The hustle. So the hustle video, I think is one of the most important ones I've done. I, I did it out, out the gate early on because I think it's so, it's like such at the foundation. There's so many things we could talk about with business and, and success and growth and tweaking and, and tactics and all, none of that matters if you're building it on a weird, shaky foundation that even if you think is strong, you won't know till you're to the roof of building it that it's the worst foundation ever and you've just built a, a prison to be trapped in. And so I, I like to, whenever I can, I like to go to the very core of what's going on and I like to get to the, the, the foundation of things. And I figured I might as well go out the gate because the hustle thing is really, really a problem. It's really a, a disease in Western, modern Western culture, uh, especially in America. So we have to get even more specific. Um, and it's, you know, Americans always have been um, hardworking. I think hard work is a really good thing. And that's part of what I talk about in that video a little bit later. Um, what I think is weird in the last five, 10 years is this word hustle. And it's become so trendy and there's a few big gurus that have talked about it. And so maybe they popularized it, but it, it's not, it's beyond them now, right? It's, it's everyone and their mom has a side hustle. They're, they're just, even if they don't have a business, mm -hmm. just at their job, I'm just hustling today. It's just a very common word. And I don't think people mean anything by it other than like, it's, I'm working hard and I'm busy, but there's so much to that word. And all I see are people that are exhausted that, um, most people aren't even as financially successful as they want, but let's give them the benefit of the doubt. Let's assume that they actually are hitting their financial goals and, and they're very happy with the income they're producing. What they're doing to get there is a sacrifice that I don't think is worth making. They're giving up their freedom, their time, their health, their sleep, uh, their relationships. They're, they're taking on uh, depression, anxiety, um, insomnia, uh, all kinds of diseases that the body just, it, it, it turns into and creates when it's just not healthy. Um, so it's like, wow, you might even be successful, but you're sacrificed at what cost, right? And then the, there's the majority of people who, if you were to ask them and they were to be honest, they're not as fi financially successful as they want and they've given up everything and they're not even at that level yet. So they've given up so much and not even received hardly anything. And to me, at the end of the day, uh, the, re the reason I did this video is because why, in my mind, if I want to help people, and so the best way to help people is to tell them the truth. Now, the truth doesn't feel good all the time, mm -hmm. um, but it's the best thing for people usually. And so in my mind, why help somebody grow a business? Why, why am I going to put out content teaching them how to make more money, get more customers, convert more people, all this stuff, if the core of them is still, I'm just going to fill every crack of time with my business, and then I'm helping them build a bigger shinier, more profitable prison to, to live their life in where they're going to be distant from their family. They're not going to be happy. And I think the business is only one, one part of your life that's meant to, to serve you and, and aid in your life. It's not meant to be the thing you sacrificed everything for. I love that. Talk to me a little bit about uh, Parkinson's law. What is that? Parkinson's law is, is that phenomenon that um, technically it, it states I mean, just Wikipedia, it states that work expands to fill the time allotted or given for its completion. And it's just the principle that you observe in nature that however much time you give something, the work fills that time. It expands, right? Every crack, every nook and cranny. 
And so you can see it as far back as like when you had to write a, a term paper for college. And if you were given a month to turn in this big Absolutely. paper, it takes you a month. But, it, but if you had a gun to your head and then the professor said, you got to turn this in in 24 hours, you would find a way yeah. to turn in a pretty decent paper. It, it actually might be just as good as the one that took you a month. And there's something about that that's just an observation. And then what um, Tim Ferriss does in his book, mm -hmm. The 4-Hour Workweek, he's the first person I heard explain how, how to use Parkinson's law in a way that was, was very helpful and insightful. It's like, if this is true, that if you give yourself a week to do something, it'll take a week. But if you only give yourself a, a day, you'll get it done in a day somehow. How can we reverse engineer that? And how can we use that to our advantage in life? It can be used for any person in life, but it's great for business owners because there's an unending amount of work to do. You could always improve something. So if you want to have a business where you also have a life where you can take two or three days off or you can, you know, get off work early and go pick up your kids from school, or if you just want to take Fridays off, all of which I do, then, then you just have to make a decision to give yourself less time to do the same amount of work that everyone else has given themselves six, seven days to do. You just say, no, I'm going to do it in less time. And it creates focus and yeah. somehow you're able to get it done. Yeah. Now I'm going to kind of ask you the pressing question that I'm sure is on a lot of people's minds. Uh, you've and if you don't mind, I'd like to hear a little bit too about how you, how you built your business, but um, you know, you're at a point right now in your life where you've created some success. And so it might be easy to say, well, yeah, that's easy for him to say he has this momentum. He has X amount of dollars coming in. He can take Fridays off or he can, you know, work less hours. What about those who are just starting off and they have to pay the bills and they're worried about where this money's coming in? How do you kind of balance that where you need to work really hard and hustle or whatever word you want to use, but also to not fall into that trap like you're talking about? Yeah, no, it's a great question. And I get that. So uh, two parts. One, um, real quick, and then I'll get to that question because it's related. I love to define words for people. And this is, this is what blew me away when people keep using the word hustle. If you look up the word hustle in the dictionary, you're not going to find really anything that any decent human being wants to be associated with. I mean, the definition that the Webster dictionary gives says things like, um, it's it's taking things by force. It's it's doing things that are like lewd and under the law. And it, it talks about prostitution is another word for hustling. Everything in the definition of hustle is like negative, and it it, it was that way. It was a word to hustle is to swindle, to trick somebody, to 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 do business basically by forcing someone to do business with you or to do like really shady stuff. That's what the word actually means. Now, when people say I'm hustling, they don't mean that. They, I don't think they mean that. But I start with definitions and say all of humanity has used this word in a negative context. Mm -hmm. It's only in modern day Western a culture that we think it's a cool thing. I think that's a big red flag that it's probably not a cool thing. So if you be careful with the words we use, I would rather not associate myself or my business with that word at all. That's not what I'm about. I think there's a better word that I think people are looking for, and that word is diligence. Mm. Diligence is a great word. Diligence means to basically push in a healthy way, always pushing forward bit by bit. It's that steady. It's, it's really in, involves steadiness and consistency, showing up. So I think people think, oh, if you're not going to hustle, what do you think? Money's just going to come to you? No, it's not going to come to you. You have to work hard. You have to be diligent, which is that ability to show up and get the right stuff done. I think hustle is is also laziness in the sense that 
Because hustle is really workaholism. The way we define hustle is workaholism in disguise. No one likes to use that word, but that's all it is. It's the just grind or die. You know, the memes say, I'd rather hustle 24-7 than slave 9 to 5. If you really unpack that, that's just so strange. I would hustling 24-7 is the same as being a slave. You're, you're, you're working 24-7, so it's just a 24-hour slave as opposed to an eight-hour slave. I'd rather slave nine to five than 24 hours a day. Um, and, and it's this pride in overwork, which is an American deficiency. We're, it's, we're, we have a toxic culture of overwork, and as a culture, we need, to, we need help. And so I think people like overwork because it feels like I'm doing all the things. Yeah, but it's just laziness because it means you you have not taken the time to figure out what is effective and efficient. What do you really need to do? Um, and that that takes more thought and work. And it's easier just to keep yourself busy and do all the yeah. things and with indiscriminate thinking and you know Facebook ads and and social media and, and more emails and convert this and change the font on my website and and but but what if there were a way to get more done or the same even just the same amount done in one third the time or, or a fourth the time wouldn't you want to do that um, but I don't know if we would because we're a little addicted to work so mm. there's that pre preface the, the way I view things and then that that leads into your question of, well, don't you have to hustle at the beginning? Yeah. And I think that's just a choice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I personally, when I started this business, it was out of necessity. I lost a job in the recession in 2009 and we had just moved to Florida. We had just bought our first house, had our first baby. And then I lost my job and didn't know anybody. And it was just the worst time to, to be in that position. No one was hiring. I was either overqualified for a, a job that they, you know, or there weren't enough jobs. Um, everything was falling apart. And it was in that culture that I started blogging about recording and mixing, which is what I've done for freelance for years. And I didn't know what I was going to do with it. I didn't know if you could even monetize it. But in that, in that culture, I was trying to start this thing. And at the same time, I was we were planning a church, helping my friend start a church, and I was volunteering as the worship guy to play music. And so we, most of my Saturdays were like taken up by driving to the storage unit, taking all the band equipment out, going to the rehearsal space, setting up the equipment, practicing, taking it back. I'd get home like at two in the afternoon on a Saturday and be exhausted. And then we do the same thing on Sundays only for the actual church service that I didn't even have a full day off because uh, I'd work five days and then I'd do the church thing. And I had an older, wiser gentleman sent me down and say, Graham, you're going to have to, you have to have at least one day off. A, a, it's a biblical mandate if you're a Christian, but B, it's just a good idea um, to have a day with your family. And so he's like, you're probably just going to have to take Fridays off. And so me back then, before I understood the power of, you know, Pareto's principle that you can do a lot in a little and, and Parkinson's law, I was like, bro, I, I'm not even making money yet in five days a week. How am I going to get ahead in four days a week? But the the cost I needed my family life to be healthy too so I made that decision on day one when I was making zero and it's been that way ever since I don't work Fridays never have ever since I started this business and it's amazing how somehow I've just had to grow the business in four days a week and now it's gotten easier and easier so yeah it took me all 32 hours of four eight hour days now what I what it takes me to run my main first business is only, only takes five hours a week of work so it has gotten easier like you said, it's scale. Mm -hmm. But I had to make a decision, I guess, was the point to put a boundary in place from day one when it seemed impossible. And I, I was thinking about this too, and then I'll, I'll shut my mouth. But it's almost like if you talk to people about generosity with their finances, a lot of people say, 
I would love to be able to, to, to give money to charities I really believe in, or I'd love to be able to, to tithe to my church, or I'd love to be able to be generous. And I think people like that and want to do that, but I, they say, I just don't make enough money right now, or mm-hmm. things are tight, or I have debt. Uh, when I make more money, then I will be generous, is what we yeah. tend to say. That seems logical to us, but it just doesn't track out statistically. The, the people that don't give with a little aren't going to give when they make more. It gets harder to give money away the more you have. It's weird. So you, if you wanted to be a giver, let's say, and be very philanthropic, you need to start when you're not making a lot of money and build it into a habit. And somehow you'll still be fine with yourself, but then you build that in at the beginning when it's small. Man. <laughs> so let me just make sure I heard you correctly. You said that you set boundaries up in your business before you reach the success level you're at right now. Yeah, before I made any money. I was just blogging for free. Nine to five is what I just decided. Wow. And then no Fridays. Yeah. Man, kudos to you. Another kind of countercultural thing that I heard you talk about, and I've just been binging his YouTube channel. I'm going to link that up in the show notes. I really encourage you guys to check that out, especially those of you who struggle in this area like I do. I've been having like anxiety, stressed out about just so much stuff. And I've, I feel like it's just been like a breath of fresh air, this, this mindset that you have. So thank you so much. But one of the things you mentioned that, again, I just felt super convicted about, I was like, man, that's me too, is this idea about having to be popular. Uh, being popular on social media mm. does not equate to having a successful business. And that's another thing that I feel like I'm, I'm taught a lot and I hear a lot about is if you want to make X money on online, which most of our businesses, most listeners' businesses are completely online, you have to have a huge following here and a huge following there. And you need to constantly be engaged and constantly online and on your phone. But you think otherwise. What is your thoughts on that? That sounds awful to me to be <laughs> Now, I like my phone and I, I think social media is cool. I, I'm not like, a, I'm, I'm not totally against it. I just see it as another potential black hole, another time suck that let's say hypothetically social media was the key to success. Even then I see it as a dangerous black hole of time, right? That I could give my life to, but the numbers just show that social media doesn't lead to financial success. That's not the tool that makes you money. That's the funny thing about it. It's just the shiny thing that people, we both like social media. Mm-hmm. And it's just the popular thing. And you think so many people are there. Don't I need to be on social media all the time? If you want likes and if you want followers and if you want retweets and shares, then yes, you need to be on social media all the time. And you need to be following back people and liking their stuff. And yeah, if that's what you want, if that's the currency you care about. But if you care about growing a business, like a real business that makes money, then, then that's what you should be after as a way to make money. So you have to think what's the best way to actually generate revenue. Mm-hmm. The numbers show as recently as 16 or 17, 2017, that the majority of online sales of things that are being sold online, like over 80% come from direct email. You come from email. They don't come from social media. You, you might be able to talk about your products and services and people might be aware, but they're not buying through social media as much as we think they are. Just look at, like I said, Banana Republic, Home Depot, Apple, anybody, any website you go to, what do they want when you get there? What pops up? What are they asking you for? Are they asking you to follow us on Facebook? No, the thing they want is your email address. Yep. 10% off your first order. Just give your, your email address. You know, buy one, get one deal today. If it gives your email address or a special code, we'll send it to you. Give us your, they want your email address because they know what I'm talking about, which is email is the most effective way to directly 
get into someone's world and pop in their world for a minute and say, hey, we're having a sale or hey, I got a new product or hey, I've got a new free thing. Even if you're not selling something, it's the most effective way to reach people. And there's a couple of reasons. One, people rarely change their email address. They've had the same yeah. one since AOL.com or Yahoo or whatever. They, they keep the same address so you don't have to worry about like, is Twitter not popular anymore? And I, now I got to build it all up on Instagram. Well, what if Instagram goes away? Mm-hmm. So you don't have to worry about that as much. Two, social media land exists to do one thing only, and that is to serve the people that make the social media platform. It makes them money. It is their playground. They make the rules. I'm a good example of this. Facebook, have 100,000 followers on Facebook. Before two or three years ago, if I posted like my latest video, all 100,000 people would have it show up in their feed. Now, maybe they wouldn't watch it. Maybe they wouldn't sign into Facebook, but it would show up in their feed because they said, I want to follow Graham's videos. Yeah. Until Facebook did the big change, right? Where now you have to boost your posts if you want all your followers who have already said, I want to see your stuff to see it, which mm-hmm. I, have to, I have to pay Facebook now. So now my organic uh, reach dropped from 100% to 13% overnight. And then half of my web traffic, which I was getting so much from Facebook, dropped in half overnight. And that was a big indicator that if I want to build my business in Facebook sandbox, I have to understand that they can change the rules at any point and that I'm building my business on someone else's business. And that's really, really risky when it's at that global of a scale. Whereas if you build an email list, then you own that list. They can unsubscribe at any time, of course, but they... There's no one else in between you and them. It's a more direct relationship and you can email them anytime Mm -hmm. you want to. And to me, that is where you see better engagement and that is where you are able to make your sales. So what's funny is that it's which one's more effective. Most people are surprised to know that it's email. But even if you tell them that, they still want social media because it's the dopamine hit, it's the ego trip. And it feels, I'm the same way. I, I can't, I can't, I'm not pointing the finger at what, when I see a lot more likes on, on a post, I feel better about myself. I, there's more, you know, chemicals in my brain saying, this is, this is good. You're happy. And when I don't, I'm like, well, what was wrong with that post? What was wrong with that picture? Yeah. I thought it was a really, you know, all of that is just a game that none of that's real business. Now we can use social media for our businesses, but just know that it's not the core of what's going to drive your business. Does that make sense? No, it makes total sense. When I, when I heard you say that on your, on your YouTube, I was it's like, man, there's something else, something else I need to work on. Cause that's, I, I will admit completely. Um, and that's what's with your content I think is so interesting is you have these statements and this philosophy, but you really have to dig into some harder questions that you have to ask yourself that, and we, I won't open this whole can of worms, but about where am I seeking validation? Where am I seeking my value and my worth? And where is that coming from? I may be saying it's coming from this source, but is it coming from the internet and my business and my money, the money I'm making and all that? And again, that's probably another podcast episode, but those are the questions that are coming up in my mind when I'm listening to your content a lot deeper about, am I valuing what I say I'm valuing? Am I putting number one, what I say I'm putting number one? And the answer has been no. And I've really been having to ask myself some hard questions and set some stronger boundaries. And I want to encourage you guys who are listening, you know, nobody is immune to this. This is a very, very hard topic, especially when you're, when you have a deep desire to build something and to impact people's lives. But, and I, I want to just yeah echo everything you just said. I don't ever want to give the impression that I don't struggle with those things. Sure, In fact, sure. I did a video and, and if you go watch it, there's a chart that I put together. I decided to make a chart of, of, a little bit of the history of, of my business, Graham's income, and it was one line, and then Graham's overall happiness as another oh. one. Years. And because I got to a point in 2000, 
2016. No, no, it was before 2015 for sure. 2015 was like the beginning of this really sweet peak season where I was making more money than I ever thought was possible for like a musician, right? Like I, I knew I was going to make no money as a musician. And so my happiness was going up every year as I was, oh, I made $60,000 from home on, on my blog. This is super happy. I made six figures. Oh my gosh, we can buy a new minivan. Cash, this is amazing. I feel my happiness is going up and you think it's going to keep going up. I thought it would, and I, you know it's not supposed to because the wiser, older people in the Bible and things tell you it doesn't work that way, but you think it will right. in the moment. And then it kept going up and up and up, and my happiness did track up for a while. And then I remember 2015, and I put it in the graph. I, I think that was the year where I was making the most money I'd ever made in my life, and my happiness started to flatline. And then in 2016, it was a really rough year for me personally. My income went up again, and my happiness went down. I was... I had depression in 2016. I was unsatisfied. I was entitled. Um, I was confused as to why I wasn't as happy as I was before. The, the, the high had worn off. And all of that revealed what you just said, that my, I was finding my identity, mm-hmm. my happiness in this business. Because um, it, it was an amazing thing. It is an amazing story. It's, a, it's such a testament to God's grace and all the things he's taught me. And I thought it would always satisfy me. And then I realized, whoa, whoa, it's just, it's just a business. It's, it's important. I feel like it's my calling. I'm meant to do this and share and teach. That's why I started this other, this other brand where I'm making free YouTube videos. I don't need to make these videos. I could just ride the other business train, but I feel called to do this. But I'm, I'm realizing, Graham, this isn't where your identity comes from. So don't be, don't be obsessed with it. Mm-hmm. Diligent, like we talked about, work hard at it. But bro, don't get wrapped up in it because it will take you down when sales go down, yeah. followers go down, you know, the YouTube changes their algorithm and everything goes down or whatever you base, base your business off of, you get, you know, injured in such a way that you can't continue to do the work. There's so many possibilities for depression and, 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 and your life to come crumbling down if you attach it so closely to this business. So I'm not immune to it. I'm, I'm, as I'm learning it, I'm realizing the danger that's there and I'm like, whoa. If this effect is affecting me, it's got to affect people who think once I make six figures, I'll be so happy. Yeah. It won't. So maybe we need to just make sure that you're running a healthy business that you can sustain for decades, but not like crash and burn, you know? Yeah, I love that. Um, forgive me. It's a little bit passed over and I have one more question for you. Um, but before we get with that, you have a podcast, the free podcast that you were giving away to viewers. So what is that and where can people find it? Absolutely. A lot of people... Um, a lot of people I talk to, they like the idea of starting a business or they, they want to make a change in their work and they just don't know where to start. If they're like me, they weren't entrepreneurial and they didn't go to business school and they, they don't even know, like, how does it work? How do you monetize it? How do, you, how do I do work that I really love to do and how do I get paid for it? And so I put together a training. It's like a 45-minute downloadable audio training called uh, How to Get Paid to Do What You Love. And I, I go over three steps to pivot from where you are now to monetizing your ideas, monetizing your uh, expertise, your passions. Because um, it's not all, all, all about just following your passion. <laughs> a lot of my passions, people don't want to pay for. I love eating pizza. I love watching football, but no one's paying me to do those things. So it can't just be follow your passion. Um, so how does that work? And how do you begin from nothing? And so it's a simple sort of like entry point to like, these are the three most important things to start and it'll get you thinking. And it's, it's all at the website at grahamcochran.com. Yeah. And that will be linked in the show notes. And so definitely check that out. Our final question, and thank you for taking this last one, is, you know, this, our audience is what I call unconventional leaders. I really want to empower those who have 
countercultural ideas and calling on their life to do something that goes a little bit against the grain and outside the box. Cause I really believe those are some of the most powerful leaders or those who are willing to make a stand for something that they believe in and kind of go against culture, like what you're doing. And you know, when you, when you get to a certain point, people will sing your praises and be like, Oh, that's awesome. That's great. You know, but usually when you look at people who have made it or famous people and you read their story at the very beginning, they got a lot of crap and people hated them and it didn't work for a long time. So if you were speaking to a group of people who are kind of in that space where they feel called to do something greater, their counterculture and their message and what they want to do, and yet they haven't got that validation yet that they're on the right path and this is working and they question themselves over and over and over again, do you have any advice that you could give them? Oh man, it's so hard. Um, for one, pe- everyone, everyone, I don't care who you are, is going to struggle with what people call imposter syndrome. Yeah. You know, where you, you're like, who am I to be doing this? I, I'm, you feel like an imposter. Who am I to start a business? Who am I to start blogging about, you know, how to lose weight? I, I, I'm not a, a certified personal trainer. I'm not a health coach officially. I didn't go to college for this. Or who am I to start making YouTube videos on, you know, X, Y, Z? There's a million other people already doing it. Who am I? Who am I? There's, there's that internal battle of imposter syndrome. And, the, and the, the only cure for that is to I- ignore it to say, to understand that it's common and everybody has it. I have it. Yeah. I was telling someone, I had a, a group call yesterday with some students and I was trying to tell them like, do you, do you understand that I went from being a big, fi- a, a big fish in a small pond of being this audio resource where I'm very well known in this space and everything's going great. I went from that big fish, small pond in a little niche to then jumping over to the business space as a business coach publicly where I'm a tiny fish and a massive pond that has existed for decades. Mm-hmm. You more of the digital revolution and online gurus. There's so many great authors who've written so many great books and I'm jumping into that pond and why like, A, why would I subject, my, subject myself to that? Um, but when I did subject myself to that, don't you think that I'm struggling with the exact same thing that I did nine years ago when I started recording revolution? Mm-hmm. I feel like who am I and some days I'm feeling good. I'm like, because oh, I know the video is good. This will really help people. But then the next day I'm like, what if, what if I get critics? Because I get critics all the time in the other blog. I have people every day telling me I'm an idiot or they don't like my hair or my V-neck t-shirt or whatever. And now I'm talking about bigger things, about people making money and how they should run their businesses. It's not just a hobby I'm talking about anymore. This is about people's lives. I'm telling them that hustling is a bad idea. I'm telling them that their social media obsession is just ego. I mean, I'm telling people things that they may not want to hear. Um, and so I feel that. So I would say acknowledge that everyone feels it, yeah. ignore it, and, and then surround yourself with a couple of people. I was telling somebody this yesterday, and this is important. If everyone that you love and that you are close to, that you trust and care about the most, like your real close family and friends, if everyone around you is telling you that you're crazy, it is worth considering that maybe you are crazy. I don't believe in the just don't care what anybody says, I'm gonna go do my thing, because you should care what the people who love you know you best think, at least to hear them out, maybe there's something there. But let's say that they understand your situation and they believe in you and they're like, look, I know this might not work, I know it's crazy, but it seems to make sense and we back you. Surround yourself with a couple of those people if they do support you and just ask them to check in with you to make sure that you're not going crazy to say, hey, how are you doing, Graham? Or, you know, remember, it's going to be hard yeah. and nobody knows who you are and it's not working yet, but we believe that this is a good idea and you're going to try it for a while. So we support you. You can do this. Have some of those people around you or even better, have other entrepreneurs who know exactly how you feel 
get attached to some of them, get a mentor, get somebody who can at least empathize with you. Empathy is so helpful when you feel like you're a crazy person. When you, oh, I'm not the only one who feels this. And none of us, Mm -hmm. and I'll end here, none of us know what the heck we're doing. Amen. We don't know what we're doing. So we do the best we can and we're, we're insecure all the way, but that doesn't mean we can't do a lot of good, help a lot of people and make an impact in this world. That's it. Man, that is so good. Guys, if any of this resonated with you, please head over to the show notes, Graham's website, the freebie he talked about, YouTube channel, it's all going to be linked up there. I highly suggest you subscribe and follow his work. It's definitely been impacting my life. So thank you so much, Graham, for your time. Yeah, thanks for having me, Heather. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. If you have not subscribed yet, please head over to iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts and hit that subscribe button. And also, if you have a second, leave us a review. Lastly, we have a private Facebook group. If you are looking for a tribe of like-minded leaders who are unconventional in their approach, but dedicated to making an impact, head over to Facebook and type in unconventional leaders, and we will be sure to add you. You guys have a great week.